0: Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson and this is the West Bloc Politics, Perspectives and Players. Since President Donald Trump decided last May to pull out of the international agreement limiting Iran's nuclear weapons program, tensions between the two countries have risen. And last month, Iran's President Hassan Rouhani vowed his country would not submit to pressure from the United States. This comes on the heels of President Trump praising another rogue state, North Korea, for its progress on denuclearization. Yet nuclear disarmament watchers say there's no evidence North Korea is dismantling its nuclear program. But nations are talking. Does this mean we are getting closer to more nuclear security globally? Joining me now is Joe Cirincione, president of the Ploughshares Fund, and a longtime advocate for nuclear disarmament. Uh, Joe, let's start with Iran. The yeah. president pulled out of the major agreement there, certainly very controversial. Looking at that P5 plus one, he argued Iran was cheating. Other people said this is a destabilizing move. Where is Iran at right now in terms of their relationship with nuclear weapons?
1: Sure. The nuclear agreement that was reached between all these nations, including the United States, rolled back Iran's program to a fraction of its size, froze it for at least 15 years, and then put it under a camera, a microscope really, so we could see deep into the program make sure they weren't cheating. There have been 12 different inspections by International Atomic Energy Agency. Uh, officials and they confirm that Iran is in fact complying. That's why the Europeans, the Russians, and the Chinese want to keep this deal alive and are struggling to find a way to do that, even though the U.S. has pulled out.
0: Well, and that's what I'm wondering. Without the U.S., do you think the other countries can keep Iran in line on this? Well, all
1: these countries want to keep doing business with Iran. That's part of the deal. They give up their program, and in exchange, they get economic benefits. The trouble is, the U.S. is about to impose. A brutal new sanctions in the beginning of November that could really harm the ability of these businesses to do. Remember, we're not sanctioning Iran. The U.S. doesn't do business with Iran. We're sanctioning our friends, the Europeans, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Indians, all of whom buy Iranian oil. So the Europeans are trying to set up what they call a special vehicle, kind of a bank, to finance these oil and other, and other trade that goes on to shield businesses. Whether that will work or not, we don't know. And if that deal collapses, that, mean, that means Iran is going to pull out, probably restart their uranium enrichment program, start expanding it. And now without uh, diplomacy working for you, without international sanctions, really your only option to stop the program is military. That's why people fear this could lead to a new war in the Middle East.
0: Interesting. It's about trying to prevent that war uh, versus how maybe some people like to characterize it as being soft on Iran.
1: Well, you're not-we're not being soft on Iran. I mean, there's no question that people want to contain and roll back Iran. It's not just their program, but their other activities in the region. The, the question is how to do that. And the, the Trump administration is reaching back to the Trump-to the, the, the George W. Bush uh, administration and what they tried to do, pressure military-military threats. And unfortunately, we have allies in the region, Saudi Arabia and Israel, that do want to take military action against Iran, that do want to give them what they call a bloody nose. Under the theory that the regime is fragile and one sharp blow could topple it, I think that's an illusion. It could ignite a war that would make the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan look like warm-up acts.
0: Now, you were very critical of the president's uh, nuclear summit with North Korea. Tell me a little bit about why you doubt that as an approach and as a strategy for denuclearizing this rogue regime.
1: Well, the the, the problem with what came out of the the summit in Singapore is that we got very vague statements from the North Korean leadership and intention to denuclearize the North Korean uh, the, the, the Korean Peninsula, rather, and we didn't have a roadmap for how to do that. We didn't have a declaration of what their facilities are. We didn't have a step-by-step process. So predictably, you're now in the dilemma you are in now, where, where North Korea is starting to realize some of the benefits of a presidential summit, of the loosening of sanctions. Countries are already relaxing their enforcement of, of sanctions without getting the denuclearization that was promised. Now, there's a ray of hope here. It's possible that uh, President Trump has, perhaps inadvertently, stumbled onto a formula for success. By front-loading the rewards, he may have inadvertently created the conditions where North Korea feels that it does have the security assurances, does gain the prestige it wants for giving up its nuclear program. The key is what happens next. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is traveling to Pyongyang uh, next week. What the North Koreans want is for him to deliver a U.S. pledge that they will declare the end of the Korean War, which only ended in an armistice in '53 and never an end of the war. That, they say, will be a tangible step that the U.S. wants to end its hostilities. Then they say that we'll actually start doing some work, for example, dismantling their plutonium production facility at Yongbyon. If the U.S. can take that step, then we might see the beginning of a step-by-step process that could at least contain and maybe roll back the North Korean nuclear program, and we'll leave the question of dis- from dismantlement uh, to the long run, five or 10 years. That's a realistic path that the Trump administration could take.
0: I'm really curious to know, because we, we talk about is Iran cheating, will North Korea really denuclearize? How good, scientifically, and politically are the verification systems now to tell if these countries are actually doing what they say they do
1: yeah we have excellent verification systems i mean this let's start with the international ones we have all of iran's program and i mean all we know all the facilities under seal and camera and regular inspections and these aren't Game of Thrones, wax seals on parchment, we're talking about fiber optics, radio frequency, instant seals. You break open a container of of stored uranium, the IAEA in Vienna knows instantly. And we have regular inspections, and we have the ability to go to any suspect site. So Israel recently raised concern about a warehouse, they called it. Yeah, Benjamin
0: Netanyahu was tweeting about it, I think, with the Google Earth coordinates.
1: There's nobody better at at PR stunts than (laughs) Benjamin Netanyahu. He's the master. So he holds up his picture at the UN podium again. Um, I, I don't think he's right about this. Um, the IAEA is, is not that concerned, but we have the right to go inspect it. We can find out. But that's just the international stuff. Meanwhile, you have Iran, who's probably the most watched country in the world, U.S. intelligence agencies, Canadian intelligence, German intelligence, Israeli intelligence, looking at it, penetrating it. And we have, I would say say we have exquisite knowledge of the Iranian program. We have penetrated their computers. We have Mm -hmm. penetrated their officials. We know a lot about the Iranian program. And the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the Iran anti-nuclear deal, gives us the right to track their uranium from the time it comes out of their mines all the way through any reprocess, any processing facility until it's stored in containers. So if they import an item that we think might be used to make nuclear weapons. We have knowledge of that because it all has to go through a special channel. So we have a lot more information on the Iranian program than we've ever had before. If they cheat in any significant way, we will know.
0: I'm curious to know too about Russia. Uh, Of course, you think back a few decades and that was the only really big concern for Western countries. We don't talk a lot about Mm. Russian nuclear weapons now, but what's the state of the situation there?
1: The reduction process that began under under Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev that cut the arsenals globally from about 70,000 nuclear weapons down to the current 14,000, most of which, 95 percent, are held by Russia and the United States, has come to a, a screeching halt. There were no more reductions, there's no prospect for reductions, there's no talks about, talks about reductions. That's the problem. And as a result, these arsenals are starting to inch back up. Both Russia and the United States are talking about building new kinds of weapons, new more usable weapons. Russia appears to be violating its obligations under one of those treaties, the Intermediate Nuclear Forces uh, Treaty in Europe, that prohibits the introduction of nuclear weapons that can strike European targets. They appear to be deploying a nuclear-capable cruise missile. That's a violation. We have mechanisms for dealing with this. Unfortunately. The United States is choosing to deal with it in a very unhelpful way. The U.N. ambassador to NATO, Kay Bailey Hutchinson, appeared to issue a threat that says the U.S. will take military action, will strike those Russian cruise missiles on Russian territory if the Russians don't uh, remove them. It's not clear she meant to say that, but the transcript clearly has her saying that and has provoked a mini-crisis in U.S.-Russian and and Russian-NATO relations.
0: I think a lot of people look at Donald Trump and they wonder if this might be the most likely president uh, to be believable in a threat of perhaps mutually assured destruction, or at least the deployment uh, of nuclear weapons. Do you think that this presidency has elevated the global nuclear risk?
1: More people are talking about nuclear weapons now than at any time since the 1980s, when we were afraid of a global thermonuclear war. And the reason in part is Putin's actions, he's become more aggressive, more belligerent, but it's mainly Donald Trump. And it's part of the the delicate issue of the stability, the mental stability of the President of the United States. Just today, the Pew Research Center issued a global survey of public opinion, and U.S. credibility uh, has fallen to an all-time low. Most of the world doesn't trust the President of the United States to do the right thing. His, the, the, the confidence index has fallen to about 24 percent globally compared to 64 percent under President Obama. And part of the reason is this uh, unreliability, this, this uh, instability. So you're afraid that the President of the United States might, in a fit of anger or as an attempt to wag the dog. Uh, provoke an international crisis that could lead to the use of nuclear weapons. Remember, in the United States, the president and the president alone has sole authority over nuclear weapons. He can order a nuclear strike any time he wants for whatever reason he wants. And the concerns about the president's stability have started to raise real questions about the stability of the command and control system, about the why we have so many nuclear weapons on hair-trigger alert to begin with. This is becoming a serious concern for world leaders and for the publics.
0: What about terrorism? Because I remember post 9-11, there was a lot of people talking about suitcase nuclear bombs. Could they be made? Missing nukes from Russia. Where are they? Have they been broken down and, and turned into something more tactical, more usable in a crowded area that wouldn't decimate a city but could kill a lot of people? Is that still a threat that we need to be concerned about? Yes,
1: but it's a decreasing threat. So I track this for a living, and every year I give a, a rating of the their top threats. And I would always put nuclear terrorism at the top of the list. That's what the national security strategy of the United States did for years. This was the biggest threat. Al-Qaeda would get a nuke and bring it to the United States. ISIS would get a nuke. That has de-elevated, in in, in my opinion, and in national security strategy, they've reduced the, 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 the risk of that for two reasons. One, it hasn't happened. So you have to start looking at why it hasn't happened, and one of the reasons is countries that have these nuclear materials that can be used to make a bomb have reduced their stockpiles, have consolidated the stockpiles, are doing better guarding of the stockpiles, so they're less vulnerable, not invulnerable, less vulnerable. And we've actually taken military action against these groups, so we've reduced the ability of al-Qaeda or ISIS. To, to mount a complicated operation like stealing a nuclear weapon and delivering it to a target country. And finally, it appears that the terrorist groups themselves are not interested in this kind of mass destruction anymore. They seem to be getting along perfectly well with, with truck bombs, with, with small arms fire, with even using cars and trucks as weapons against civilians. That seems to be satisfying their need. So nuclear terrorism is still a risk, but I would place it lo- much lower down, maybe our fifth or sixth great nuclear risk in the world today. Right behind the threat of a, a, a use of a nuclear weapon by some of the people that have it, a, a war in South uh, Asia, a war in, Nor- in with North Korea, and the possibility that the Iran nuclear deal will collapse and lead to a proliferation of weapons in that region.
0: Yeah, oh, fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Well,
1: thank you. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for checking out the West Block podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and listen on your Apple podcast, Google podcast, or wherever you find your podcast. And join the conversation at the West Block, Facebook, and check out our Instagram page. And please tune in again.